podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. Uh, wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Probably better man needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Talks ended up almost looking like a 6-3-1. Some very good writing about that on the Managing Madrid website. Frustrate podcast as well. Of course, Pere Valverde was a huge part of the equation. Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast. It is Thursday night. We are recording the very last Real Madrid postgame show for a long time because after this, there's the World Cup. There's a break in between. But like 10 days or so, I think, before the World Cup starts, something like that. And then we got a break after the World Cup. And then we got Real Valladolid, I think, on the last day of the calendar year. But this weird stretch of games now comes to an end. This weird phase of everyone's asking the questions. Are Real Madrid players saving themselves for the World Cup? What's wrong with the team? Why aren't we performing well? All these questions in the press conference that Ancelotti has to deal with. Now we got this crazy game to end the end November, this really weird, strange game like of referee decisions and a lot of physical aggression from Cadiz. We got to talk about it all. And joining me, Kian Sobani, is Mehdi Hassan, who is helping me break this down. Mehdi, how are you? Uh, hey, Kian, I'm doing well. And thanks for having me as always. Where do we start, man? There's a lot of stuff that I don't personally normally enjoy talking about, but it's unavoidable tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got to talk about some of the referee stuff, the non-calls, the fact that mm-hmm. he was so lenient with Cadiz, just basically kicking the shit out of everyone. I think we kind of have to start there. I mean, it's not it's not a subject I personally love, but it's, it's predominant. So I think we start there. We kind of get it out of the way, Mahedi, and then we can get into some of the tactical stuff if there's any interest from fans on that subject before we head into the World Cup stuff. But yeah, why don't we start there, Mehdi? Where do you stand on all this? How do you want to how do you want to proceed? Well, it's I'll I'll tell you this. I after watching this game, I'm slowly beginning to believe all that stuff that Diego said about the conspiracies and everything. I'm now team Diego. It's backfired on him. <laughs> yeah. It's he it's thought it was team. against Barca. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm now on on Team Diego regarding that. Uh, by the way, let me start by saying this: Did you see what uh, Fali, who the player who punched Rodrigo, yep. what he said after the game? Yep. So yeah. Just so just for the listener's sake, let's read it before you 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 uh, yeah. dive into it. Okay, Mahidi. Yeah. So <clears throat> Fali, obviously the 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 defender who elbowed Rodrigo at the top of the box in the first half, VAR did not review. It did not get called, no foul, no yellow card, no red card, nothing. Um, he says after the game, uh, he says a, a bunch of different things. So I'll just bear with me, listeners. If you if you haven't heard this quote yet, just brace yourself. If you're on your commute, hold on to the steering wheel with two hands. Be safe. Quote, um, hold on, I just make sure you get the right, get the right one. All right. <clears throat> quote, I gave him a little bit of an elbow, just a little, enough not to hurt him. It's not an elbow. With the image stopped, it seems more than it actually is. I apologized to him quickly. And 
then he wanted to say this about Vinicius. Just like I say about Rodrigo that he's a good boy, I'm not going to say anything about Vinicius. I prefer not to say anything. A club like Real Madrid must control certain attitudes. We have to respect. We have to have respect a little bit more because we are partners. Um, and then, yeah, I'll just leave it there. So basically, he he goes on and says that you know the thing with Rodrigo was not intentional. It was not really an elbow. The image made it look like worse than it was. And then he basically went on to say that Rodrigo is a good boy and that Vinicius basically is not. And he also said that Vinicius called us a second division club. So that's where we are with the Fowley stuff. <laughs> well, I'm going to get to what, what Vinicius has said later probably. But yeah, what Fowley said is, I mean, the audacity after doing something like that in in an official game and then coming out and saying that it's the and coming out and calling out a real madrid player and say that he's the one that who, who should behave i'm talking about vinicius of course it's just outrageous and this level of refereeing well I, i'm gonna say like the super league is not la liga's enemy at the moment la liga's own refereeing la liga's level of competition how La Liga is conducting the competition, that's La Liga's probably biggest enemy. Because Carlo Ancelotti said this after the game as well, that he recently saw a stat, there were 55 red cards in whatever many games that we have had in La Liga so far, compared to only 10 in the Premier League. Because in the Premier League, uh, they will retrospectively look at Fali's foul and ban him for like three to five games. That's why a player wouldn't pull a stunt like this and then go on to admit something like that. So... Uh, the level of refereeing and the level of ignorance that La Liga and RFEF has as an organization or two organizations is is just really frustrating as a La Liga fan and as a Real Madrid fan because I still, I think uh, the playing quality, the tactical aspects of La Liga, I still regard this in very high standard. But it is difficult to compare La Liga with other leagues if this is the level of uh, officiating we have in like one of the biggest leagues in the in the world. It's it's just frustrating. It's helping no one. It's not helping. Of course, it's not helping Real Madrid. It's not helping uh, the competition, the level of football. It's helping nothing. And because I've I've been watching La Liga for long enough to know that nothing will change. Uh, no matter how many official reports Real Madrid put on and the, on their website, even today they put on a tweet from like on a quote from Rodrigo on the official handles that uh, Fali's foul was not something that you would see in a football pitch or or something in the same tone. So I can see that Real Madrid is coming out recently more publicly to say these things probably they never said before, but I think it's it's just an empty cry. It, it's something that's not going to change and if that's not going to change la liga as a league is not going to be competing of course not with the premier league like at all because there are other levels of broadcasting and and that whole shenanigans as well but even as just the level of football the level of competition it's just going to degrade from here like that's that's just my blatant initial thoughts towards this so here's the thing with me and and Yesterday, someone asked on IG stories, like, are the refs being fair with Vinny? And I put out a little video. I don't know if you saw 
Yeah. Basically saying, I don't think the refs are being fair with Vinny. And I outlined that video, the reasons why. And it turns out it was extra timely because then this happens today. My biggest thing right now is that the referees are not protecting the players. And by players, I mean, basically what is happening is that there are defenders who have a lot of issue stopping a player like Vinicius because mm -hmm. he's a special talent. He's a line-breaking player. He can do things that no one else does. He's a supreme dribbler. He's an elite dribbler. He can find space. And two things happen. One is that defenders hack him down. The second thing is then they they try to make it so that they're the victim. The defender's the victim as in like, look, he's provoking me. He's disrespectful. Uh, listen, and I'm consistent with this stance. This is not a Real Madrid bias thing. I was consistent with this with Neymar too. I always said like, you can't get mad at Neymar for embellishing contact when the guy is just getting wrecked play after play after play and not getting yeah. calls. I sympathize with that too. When he was with Barca, I was saying this too. And I and I think with <clears throat> with Vinicius, it's a lot of the same. You can talk about, oh, he provokes, he does this, you know, maybe he can mature a little bit, whatever. Bottom line is, this is a football match. He's trying to dribble past you, and you're trying to take him down. And he does it in a more stylish way or in, a, in, a, in his own certain way, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the way he does it. So to come out and say that Rodrigo is a good boy, but Vinicius isn't... <laughs> Personally, I think the second division club is thing is kind of funny. It's trash talk. Mm. You know, it's we've heard much worse in <laughs> trash talk. Like that's not that's not the worst of it. Mm. So okay, that with that out of the way, um, beyond the Rodrigo incident with Fali. By the way, this mm. is the thing with Cadiz, and I want to also say this about Cadiz. Cadiz have been known to be like this for a few years now. Mm. Got nothing against that place. I actually have a soft spot for Cadiz, the city, beautiful city. I have family history there, family ties in Cadiz. I've been there. It's one of the most lovely places. That team in particular, and let's not let's not forget Juan Cala, who also started the game today, mm -hmm. um, also has a history of racism, obviously yeah. with um, Diahabi of Valencia, where he said something racist to him. Diahabi walks off the field, refuses mm -hmm. to play. La Liga does nothing about it. And then Juan Cala doubles down and says, I did nothing wrong, like a, a few days later. Fali himself has been known to be a dirty player. Ignoring the elbow, which is obvious, we have footage, we have the film. No matter what Fali says, I, it was not a dangerous play. It was not an elbow. It was worse than it looked. It, was, it, it looked worse than it was. We have video evidence that it's, he meant to hit him, and it's a dangerous play. Let's pretend uh, and let's assume that they did not have a good ref, uh, good replay for whatever reason. Okay, they just didn't have it, which I I think it's I I think it's pretty clumsy that you don't have a replay available because that's yeah. been the word that's been like yeah. the excuse like well we didn't have this replay until after the game like you were var you're literally your job you have ten million camera angles and you have access to them. You saw this like you you were watching on on ESPN TSN I'm assuming right. Mm. Remember when they were showing the replay? They showed yeah. everything except the replay. They showed <laughs> like uh, what's happening off the ball. And whatever we saw, even on like Twitter, it's like such a blurry 
picture, but La Liga, as a matter of fact, has the best cameras probably in, out of the all five leagues. They have 8K cameras. La Liga probably, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they have the best cameras out of the all top five leagues. And if they like don't even bother to show it on replay, they have every single possible angle. They probably have an angle from Fali's elbow. <laughs> they can like probably draw an uh, angle from there if they want to, but yeah, it's, it is it is what it is. And 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 beyond that, let's just assume they just botched it up. They got it wrong. Okay, fine. You're human. You make a mistake. Ivan Alejo had multiple dangerous tackles on Vinicius in that first half without mm-hmm. getting a card. I think he got his card in the 55th or 60th minute, mm-hmm. which included, by the way, a play which Furlan Mendy beats him to the ball, is shielding it. The ball's out of play. And once the ball's out of play, he pushes Mendy into the boards. Nothing. Okay. And 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 this is this is my biggest thing with this is that when you don't hold defenders accountable for playing like this, it sets a really dangerous precedence that safety is not our priority. There are so many people who get upset with Vinicius for complaining about calls. If he complains, people get upset. Referee gives him a yellow card today for for rightfully sticking out for Rodrigo in that instance. If he doesn't complain, they just keep kicking the shit out of him. He's supposed to just take it. You got to protect these players. And this is what I mentioned in the video yesterday is we talk about the product of La Liga. We talk about the stat that you brought up earlier in the show, the 58 red cards. We talk about the fact that, okay, this season it's a little bit better, but you know the fact that goals dried up last season you know, to a, a really, really below all the top five leagues. We got a player here who is bringing excitement to the league. He's one of your treasured assets. I'm not saying give him special treatment, but protect the product, protect the the, the people who are bringing you viewers right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, I think they really got to get it together. I don't, and again, I'm not, I don't, don't go into the conspiracies or whatever. But this is a referee issue. This is an issue that the players need to be protected more than they are. And I think it just sets a really dangerous precedence for for just the safety of the players when when they're allowed to just kick the shit out of a player and not help get held accountable for it. Someone's gonna get hurt. And yeah. I'm and Vinicius tweeted it sarcastically after the game, made it another day without getting injured. We all know it's half sarcasm, but it's really serious. Like we're all just glad that he made it this far without getting injured. Someone's gonna get hurt if they don't they don't crack down on this. Yep, and people's reaction to what Vinicius does, it it infuriates me, it enrages me because I'm looking at like uh, FB refs uh, fouls drawn this season for La Liga and Vinicius, I think even without this game, Vinicius tops the list for the most fouled player in La Liga 44 times. So it is only it could natural. Be more, by the way. Yeah, it, it could be more and, it pro- and these are the only ones that were officially called. There, yeah, there have been multiple I mean. yeah. ones that that were not officially called. Even in the Rio game, Isi Palazon, I think he pushed him straight out of the pitch, and like it, it wasn't even looked at. So those kind of fouls were not even like included in the stat. So of course, the player that has been fouled the most times, that has been kicked the most times, he is going to react the most times. It is 
maths. It is not that complicated. It has got nothing to do with Vinicius's racism role before the derby. It has got nothing to do with his uh, dancing celebration. It has got nothing to do with that. He's the most foul player. Of course, he's going to show the most reaction the most times. So, uh, and the point that you made that we're not even asking that yet, like, uh, don't call anything against him or like wrap him with wool or something. Just be fair. Just be, if you can be 100% fair, no, I, I I don't think anyone can in, in a contact sport all the time. At least try to be like 90%, 80%, at least try to be consistent. But this is, this looks like it's driven by some kind of agenda. I don't know what that is. That's why I like joked about that I'm now Team Diego at the beginning of the podcast. But uh, yeah, La Liga, uh, even like we have talked multiple times about even how uh, foolishly strict they are about their content privacy as well. Uh, even like they wouldn't release a 15 second clip for any educational purposes as well. So La Liga doing by doing all of this is just constraining the potential of their product and they have only themselves to blame for this. No individual, not Florentino, not Real Madrid, Barcelona, or like uh, any other club. They only have themselves to blame for constraining their own product like this. I don't know really anything else that I can say about it. I think we we touched on it. We, we outlined why I think it's an issue. And... Um, it's just something that really, really needs to be looked at because above all, you need to protect the product. You need to protect protect the players. And I think it's just when when teams can get away with, with playing like this. And I, and I, again, I, I think it's just, a, it's a problem for the league. It's not a rounded problem. It's, it's yeah. a problem for the league that you don't have this under control. Um, so with that out of the way, Mehdi, it's kind of interesting to see how this unfolded because... We all know what Cadiz is. We all know mm. how they play. Sergio Gonzalez said it a couple of days ago. He basically said that, you know, we're going to try to make sure Ramja don't have space to work with. We're going to try to get them to pass it backwards. Basically, you know, setting up his low block. Um, basically, in days in advance, getting ready to defend at the Bernabeu. And they go into the low full four two block, <clears throat> and I and I would say overall do a pretty good job of limiting Ramjet's chances because Ramjet had a lot of the ball. They had a, a pretty high volume of shots in terms of pure clear cut chances up until the point it was tied zero zero. There wasn't many, um, and once and and I think one of the key moments in this game was the Militao header in the thirty ninth minute, which puts them ahead. Because then it forces, like you saw it, like when they came out of the second half, Cadiz actually started pressing a little bit higher. And we were able to bypass their press a few times. And obviously, we put it probably made this a little more comfortable and put it to bed if Luka Modric doesn't have that uncharacteristic miss in the 78th minute. But I would say Cadiz overall did a pretty good job of limiting our chances in space in the first half. You look at the coverage in both half spaces. Anytime Vinicius and Rodrigo tried to break lines, they beat one defender. They were met with second, third, fourth defenders. And there wasn't much space to work with. I thought Fede Valverde did some really good quick switching in this game to get Cadiz to budge a little bit. We created some opportunities through our counter-pressing. Chuameni had a couple shots at the top of the box that um, 
you know, they weren't great chances, but they were at least chances, decent looks at the top of the box, which were generated through counter-pressing. How did you see that first half unfolded? Where did you see the problem areas? Uh, I think the game started, like, really slow for Real Madrid. For the first eight, nine, or, like, probably even until the 12th minute, we didn't really have anything going. I remember, I think it was the 13th minute where Real Madrid first had... Uh, a comprehensive chance or like comprehensive at- attacking sequence and from there on even like if i look at the xg chart it was like kind of going uh you know straight uh pretty much until around the 30th minute then real madrid started to pick up pace before the goal madrid was actually not doing significantly well again but then the goal then then put them into some kind of a piece and they started to you know piece the things together again uh standout performers for me in the first half were i would probably say luka modric and fede valverde uh, tony cruz was obviously the man of the match he he was that's the thing with Cruz. Like it's an amazing performance for other players, but for him, it's like yeah, it's it's another day of the week. <laughs> uh, it's just that like he he scored and assisted today. But Modric's movement in in near the right half space because Fede was playing as as a forward today, that I think unlocked Modric to move well between the lines a few times as well. Uh, the Chuamini got into a really good. Uh, really good position i think around the it was around the 30th minute when he released uh with the first touch to rodrigo uh, but it was just a just a touch too quick for rodrigo to latch onto and the th- point that you made about fede valverde doing some nice things making some quick switches we discussed this in a previous part as well that to break these kind of low blocks off ball movement and quick switches are always your best friend, apart from crosses, maybe. So I saw that Real Madrid slowly getting into that plan and realizing that they have to move the ball faster. They can't like hog it all the time and expect Cadiz to do anything because they're like, again, Getafe. They're not going to move if you don't attempt to move them. Uh, So yeah, I think even though Madrid scored twice in the second half, the first half was probably tactically more interesting because... Real Madrid started the game slow and then realized a, a few things that they needed to do and made those little in-game tweaks. Uh, that's that's pretty much my wrap-up from the first half. The goal was a good goal. Militao now two goals in two games. Uh, we've been talking about this for a long time, that Madrid's uh, aerial game hasn't been up to the mark. If Militao starts doing these kind of things, that suddenly changes the scenario a lot because this is like, if you... The quality of crosses was never the issue. It was the quality of the finishing. But now that the finishing is there, it's it's better. And Militao, I think he's he's tallest of all of our defenders. So it is good to see him getting on the score sheet again. The I mean, you mentioned Cruz and Mordic and some of the dynamics of the midfield. So just to go over it, Cruz 111 touches, 11 of 14 long balls. Um Four key passes, a goal, an assist. Modric, 107 touches. <clears throat> Too many. Like, it's interesting because I don't, like, all of these three players, individually speaking, I thought had a good game. And collectively speaking, it was it was decent too. But I think, so, we didn't really, 
do do anything wrong defensively as a unit until we started to just have brain farts to end the game. Of course, of course. Like why, why would we have a clean sheet? That doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't we just make this a little bit extra nervy for no reason with defensive lapses late until that point, it was pretty good. I mean, and, and that was in part due to us being pretty good in transition and controlling the ball and counter pressing. And, and two also because Cadiz are just not a threat on the counter attack. And so, it it was fine. There wasn't really much in nitpick. I there were there were moments where I thought like you know, too many was really good on the ball today. I thought at times he could have position be positioned a little bit better to progress the ball. There were a few moments where he could have turned himself into a vertical outlet. He decided to just hedge back and drop behind the ball, and I think limit some of our some of our build up chances in 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 certain moments, but. His passing was really good in this game overall. I thought he had a good game. And also, I think he had five clearances, something like that. The thing with Modric, and this is something that I think Cadiz did really well, especially in that first half when it was a little bit tighter. Modric was really, really um, mobile. He was trying to move between the lines. And I think they made it a point to make sure he doesn't have space. Like if he moves, there was like a contingent moving with him to make sure he doesn't hurt them in between the lines and in the half spaces. He was, he was moving a lot, but he was also getting swarmed a lot. So I, I thought it was fine. Um, it's just that the second half kind of turns into this weird thing where like you're super comfortable, you're limiting counterattacking sequences from Cadiz. You're not conceding many chances. You're, she should go up 2-0, 3-0 because of the mortar chance, which was brilliant, by the way, the counterattack to, to lead up to that. I think, and, and by the way, we didn't talk about it. We only talked about Vinicius getting fouled and all this, but he actually had a really good game, I thought. Yeah. Um, was really unlucky to have not at least one assist. His passing in transition was really good. Uh, second half in particular, I thought was really good. So I was happy with the Vinny performance. <clears throat> um, but then you ha- and then you had this just this weird thing at the end where you concede Courtois left for dead on two rebounds, no one picking up Lucas Perez, and then they nearly score at the end. Was it um uh who was it for Cadiz? Lucas who oh, oh who nearly scored? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. It was uh it was Alfonso Espino in the ninety second minute. And I think it was Alaba who holds him onside and Mendy also doesn't track. It was double whammy. These are just like things like that Real Madrid just need to clean up in their defense because this could have, it would have been an absolute disaster to drop two points at the end there. Yeah. And you see if you, I think if we go and watch the La Liga table right now, let, let me just quickly pull this up. Uh, so... I think Barcelona and we have both uh, scored 33 goals in La Liga this season. Barcelona have conceded five, three of them against us, and we have conceded 14. Yeah. So uh, I know we have discussed, and even myself, I have reacted differently to different games, probably a bit more reactionary to a specific games than others, uh, which I think were, were called for for those specific games. But like even like Jose put out some stats yesterday that uh, yesterday or the day before yesterday, I think that Real Madrid are a- actually producing the same kind of chances, scoring the same amount of goals as they were uh, at this stage of last season. So offensively, yeah, offensively, 
that was with Benzema. This is without Benzema. So in that sense, it is it is we are actually playing better because our best player is not even playing and we're still producing similar numbers that we did last season. And we are producing similar numbers as the team that's leading the league right now. But uh, our defense just hasn't been up to the mark or tight or locked in as it should be if we are to if we are to give a really long chase in this league and it it comes down to that basically we we conceded 14 goals we we've scored the same amount as barcelona so if we are to simplify our analysis to the absolute bare bones i would point towards that our defense has been pretty catastrophic catastrophic in specific moments which have cost us huge points like Seven points against Osasuna, Girona, and Rayo is is it's inexcusable. And if we now look back, I think I think we can say that had our defense been better, we would at least be on par with points with Barcelona, or probably even a couple of points ahead. Well, here's the other thing. I mean, and, and I feel like some of those games, like you know, Girona, Osasuna. Um, It, I think it was it was more of an issue of our offense wasn't clicking. Mm-hmm. In most of these games, you know, if you're having one or two defensive blips a game, it shouldn't be enough in La Liga to make you drop points if your offense yeah. is at mm-hmm. a certain place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and obviously, not having Benzema really hurts. I mean, this is a. I don't know if it's kind of. I don't know if under the radar has been the right word but certainly it's like it's a it should be a bigger story that we're playing this entire season so far without our best player without the best player in the world he's literally not on the field for most of these games and that's what you hope is a great equalizer provided knock on wood he comes back really healthy from the world cup the other thing to look at here is that um you know barca are slightly overperforming their expected goals against they have an expected goal of nearly 10 they've conceded five so their opponents are missing chances. <clears throat> That's literally in the numbers. With Real Madrid, their expected goals is 14-something, so it's pretty much dead on. Um, what does that look like when it normalizes, when Benzema comes back? I don't know. We also have to factor in maybe they have players coming back and all this stuff. So, you know, it's... I don't really know what it means for the the end of the league title race, other than I'll just say this. I said this to Diego actually in uh, a couple of weeks ago. I do trust Barcelona more to pick up these points that they're supposed to pick up. I and I don't trust Real Madrid in those situations as much as I trust Barcelona, and that's mm-hmm. the reality. I but that isn't you know that that hopefully will be proven wrong. This is a long season. It's a long yeah. season. Someone else asked me the other day, like, should we be worried? Like, what what are, are, are there any silver linings? That was the question. Are there any silver linings? I'm like, I don't there's no real silver lining that I'm picking up from some of these past performances um, that we've dropped points. in. other than the fact that the season is long, we have to be patient. This is rarely indicated when the, where the team is going to be. You just have to hope that these points don't come back to haunt you in April, May, June. So, um, and this is the, the biggest unknown is still what happens in the world cup. We have no idea. No yeah. idea. We're all going in this completely blind. We have no idea what what awaits us um, yeah. when this is over. So, um, other things from the game, Mehdi. 
Do you want to just fire through the through your notes and I'll fire through mine? <clears throat> yeah, we can talk a little bit about the cruise goal. It it was set up uh like the sequence that led to the goal was was potent enough in itself, but then like Vinicius tries to dink it into the box and it goes into a rebound and this shot like felt so good to see because we see this in all the training videos that Cruz and Modric are like banging in volleys. They're hitting everything. Courtois, Lunin, Luis Lopez, nobody can get a touch. Uh, we, we see these training videos like every day. Uh, it's always good to see them like coming off in a real game as well. And uh, yeah, I think it was a good, good note for Cruz to finish an excellent year uh, in a sense that the beginning of the year wasn't, wasn't as good as the ending is for him. He's in absolute sublime form. I think one stat that you missed from when you listed Cruz's stats is he had eight recoveries as well. I I, mm. I don't remember seeing Tony Cruz defend this aggressively and this well never in a in a long long time or or even perhaps never. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a good thing that he ended the year on a on a really high note and he actually stayed long after the game as well and thanked all the fans and stuff like that. So it was it was just a feel-good moment from Tony Cruz. Another good sequence. I thought since you brought up Vinicius, that how how you he did well in transition passing as well. Uh there was that mischance from Fede where he shoots like pretty much from close to the goal, but it deflects off a yep. Kadi's defender. So I, I I was actually very impressed that Vinicius chose to pass to Fede and then Fede put it up to Vasquez. Vasquez returned it and Fede hit the shot. I was really impressed that Vinicius chose to pass at that moment. Usually he would he would try to dribble past the defender or even try to drag the defender further up the pitch and then try to cut back. So yeah, I, these are the two moments that uh, stood out for me in the second half. Apart from the Modric chance, of course. Yeah, I'm. Uh, the other thing with Cruz is that, and you touched on his defense there. I, I'm writing a huge column about it. I'll probably release it before the World Cup starts. But this is this is his part of the reason why this is arguably his best season ever so far, is because his his defense has been on on another level. He just yeah. and, and and also that it's also coincided with the season that Casemiro leaves. I think I don't think it should be understated how important Cruz's defensive contributions have been. Mm. Yeah. I think I think Chuameni has so far been a good good player. I don't think I think he's far still from his ceiling. What we'll see mm -hmm. from him in the next few years. It's his first year, new league, new country, new language. He had a great interview today in Lakeep, by the way. Everyone should go read it. Um but he's but Cruz has also stepped up to lift weights defensively. And I was I was re-watching the Classico for this column. It's like, man, I this that might be like it's certainly one of the best performances by a midfielder in Classico in recent memory. Like he just yeah. transcended the field that day. And he was so good on defense. He like Frankie couldn't escape his shadow. Like Frankie, like he was coming over to dispossess Rafinha multiple times in the wing. He's tracking, he's covering for wingbacks. Like this was never part of Cruz's game. Cruz was always good as a presser behind the ball. No. But this, the fact that he's just running over and just cleanly dispossessing players and, and tackling them, it, it, it's, it's incredible to watch. So yeah, his defense again has been good. And obviously is his, 
uh, on the ball. Like we already mentioned all of his numbers. I mean, just incredible. So let me ask you this, like gun to your head. Do you have to take us like you have to give an answer? What do you think? Does he renew or does he retire? I think he gives one more year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was, I was having a long conversation with my cousin about this in in Spain yesterday, and he was like, "Man, I don't understand. Like, who are we? Like, why are we trying to sign Bellingham when we have all these midfielders? Like, look, man, there's a sad reality coming up. Yeah, we have Camavinga, we have Fede Valverde, we have too many. Cruz and Modric are going to probably leave very close to, if not at the same time. Yeah. It's just going to be." Like that, it's going to hit us. They're both yeah. gone at the same time. It's going to be devastating. I think it's totally justifiable to go and try to sign someone like Bellingham right now. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's a, that's a different conversation. Um, last time, I think I blew your mind with a stat that Ferland Mendy had 100% passing completion rate <laughs> throughout an entire game. Today, he had four completed dribbles. Mm-hmm. Looked mesmerizing, escaping pressure. <laughs> on so many sequences i don't think he had a perfect game i think he should have done much better on that that chance that um <clears throat> Kadi's nearly scored from at the end i still don't think he's been at his level from last season one thing that just continues to blow me away is his press resistancy which has been a nice revelation in the last i don't know 18 12 18 months or whatever Yep, and Mendy also had like one of those Zinedine Mendy moments in this in the first half as well. Well, he had at like least dribbling, one. Yeah. yeah, he had, usually that's in inside Real Madrid's box or in inside Real Madrid's half. Today it was in the opponent's half, and he's like he's he's Zidane and Ronaldinho mixed up in that sequence. He's dribbling past everyone, shaking our bodies and stuff like that. So yeah, it was it was cool to watch. If we can convince him that. Like just plant it in his mind that the final third is our third. <laughs> he would, if he could just be the same player in the opposing box as yeah. that he is in our box, this yeah. would be a, a transcendent footballer. Like he would just, if he could, if you could just tell like Mendy, yeah. just go soul searching. When you're in the final third, just pretend you're being pressured yeah. and just see what he can come up with. That's, La Liga that's defenders... La Liga defenders will forget about Vinicius if Mendy starts doing Zinedine Mendy in in Real Madrid's attacking final third. Yeah, Vinicius is free by, by then. <laughs> um, one underrated and subtle play of the game that I thought, like to me, really stood out, and I think no one really talked about it because of the game state. Right after Mendy, uh, Modric misses the open net. Kadi's counter the other way. And this is like all happening while Modric is like holding his head. And then mm. Vinicius is like, oh my God, I can't believe you missed it. Modric is kind of laughing. Kadi's are on a break. And they do a one-two in the box. And Alaba comes over and has a crucial, crucial intervention that prevented a break in the box. I thought that was a very, very subtle, important moment. So that would have been, I mean, I don't even, I don't have the minute tracked down, but it was literally right after Mordish missed it. So you guys can, you guys can figure it out. But um, I thought that was a very underrated moment, but I was just, I, I, I guess I was just kind of disappointed the fact that we didn't really close it down defensively like we should have. There's no need to, I, I, th- and I think part of these lapses come at a point in time in the game where we get com- comfortable. 
I think comfort has been Ramjit's enemy for a long time. We thrive in discomfort. We thrive when the backs are against the walls. When we're comfortable, it's just kind of like this, oh, we might concede, we might defensive laps coming. And then we're like, ah, we're up two goals, whatever. Okay, we can afford one. But then Cadiz get momentum after that. We need to lock up those moments and clean them up a little bit after the World Cup. We need to do better yeah, in those comfortable situations is what I'm saying. Like, <clears> even <throat> if if we, like, get comfortable after the 30th minute, after, like, scoring two goals until 30th minute, I, I'm fine with that. But the thing is, we... Uh, Lucas mentioned, in, mentioned this in one of his tweets recently that we start the game with this weird kind of sense of entitlement that, yeah, it's at the Bernabeu, we're going to win, uh, we're going to smack them anyway. But that's the attitude. But in reality, the intensity is not matching the attitude. And before we know it's the halftime is done, it's nil-nil, the second half starts, the pressure starts mounting. So, yeah, if if we could just, like just be intense, be focused for the 30 minute, first 30 minutes, score a few goals, and then go into that mode, I'd, I would much rather prefer that. So this is a real thing. This is a real psychological problem because I think some people will hear this stuff and they'll be like, you guys are overthinking it. It's La Liga opponents are really good. It's hard to beat everyone all the time at the Bernabeu. There's, it's a real like a problem of energy and everyone knows about this too. The players know that they're going into this game a little bit too overconfident and still they can't do anything about it. This has been something with Real Madrid forever, like for mm-hmm. decades. Yeah. I remember, was it like uh, 17, 18, I think it was? Can't remember. But one of those seasons where every single game for like f- the first 45 to 65 minutes, we were sleepwalking in the Bernabeu. Like the energy just was way off. It was not even a tactical thing. It was not a a, a situation where the, the opposing team was doing this magic defending we were just asleep. And I swear, I, I remember I, I went to almost every game and I felt like I was sitting in the same press conference over and over again because Zidane would say the same thing. He would say, we know we have to start better, but even though we know, we can't. We I have no explanation for it. It doesn't matter what I say before the game. It doesn't matter what talk I give. We go out asleep. And then all of a sudden, it just clicks in, their, in the brains, collective brains. Oh, it's minute 70 oh, okay, let's start playing. And there's like <laughs> nothing you can do to switch it on sometimes. Like, And I'm not making this up. This is stuff that Zidane was saying at the time. And after every game, it was the same questions. Why are you guys starting slow? I don't know. We know, but we don't know why. Like he, this was his answer like over and over again, like clockwork. It's, it's a real thing. It's a real thing um, to, to get up for these, especially like, look, all these things like I, uh, Monday, was it Monday or which one was it recently that was earlier kickoff? Was it Girona, I think it was? It was Girona, I think. Monday was in the evening, yeah. Yeah, Monday was Vallecas. That was the night yeah. game. Um, those early games are always weird against a, a quote-unquote smaller opponent. This one was the last one before the World Cup. It's just a little bit. Mind you, I think this this one actually was. The Fakadis were actually defending well in the first half and just doing some some things to frustrate the hell out of us. I I don't know if it was a lack of effort today, to be fair, but just as more of a general point. Um, but the defensive side of things at the end was needs to be cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Did we miss anything? Nope. I think I think God, we got everything. Yeah. All right. 
I'm going to go to sleep. I haven't slept <laughs> in like 48 hours. Um, Mehdi, this was fun. Yeah. We're, we're planning on uh, doing a Toronto show in December. Yeah. Uh, so I got to talk to you about that off air. And yeah. uh, so if you're listening to this and you're in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, we're going to be there during the World Cup. We're going to do a World Cup podcast. We're going to talk about all of Ramjan's players. We're going to do super interactive. We're going to give away some crazy prizes. We're giving away things that are signed by Luka Modric, things that are signed by Tony Cruz, Luis Figo, like some of Ramjan legends. We're giving stuff away uh, thanks to our patron, Daniel Smith. Um, and we're also we're going to have La Liga involved. La Liga is going to be giving stuff away, scarves and jerseys and stuff like that. So stay tuned for details, announcements um, on daytime venue. We're going to do that in Toronto next month. And what else? What else? Uh, mailbag is tomorrow. Couldn't do it today because I was traveling. So you can submit your questions to Lucas and I over on patreon.com slash managing Madrid. That's also where you get access to the show. Mehdi, this was fun, man. Yep. As always. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Kian. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mehdi. Take care. And we'll chat soon. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Also, wanted to give a quick shout out to our $10 plus patrons. But shout out to all of our patrons, really, because you guys make this show possible. We really appreciate you being part of this Real Madrid family and growing with us. Shout out to our $10 plus patrons, specifically because if you pledge $10 or more, not only do you get guaranteed responses to your questions, but you also get a specific shout out on the podcast. So, shout out to Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will, Will Sousa, Wayne Perry, Wamik Jamal, Tobias Arroyo Botcher, Tarek. Gokdas, Talib Salhab, Tahmid Kalam, Sujaiwani, Sumanchu Singh, Sheikh Hatiri, Shamil, Shabaz Sharapov, Sergio Adixpev, Santos Solorsano, Samuli Justin, Samar Z, Said Mahad, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar, Rodrigo Balmaceda, Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odayafani, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, Nicholas Moller, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, uh, Nick Ribeiro, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lex, Logan Stahl, Leon Sabernakis, Kumel Talatar, Crystal Glass, Kevin Rivera, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jason Fitz, Ian Marley, Graham Gerard, Gary Kohut, Frederick Antakiro, Frederick Sundrops, Faisal Hamdan, S.A. Davisito, Elo Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams, Con P, Christian Top, Christian Acosta, Charles Williams, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Ashik Bashar, Arnab Mukherjee, Armand Gashi, Armando L, Anton Rudenko, Anirudh Singh, Ananya Kumar, Alex Steinberg, Al Azaz Hussein, Adrian Rios, Adarza Lutovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Barun, Ramtin Makhur, Fabian Moreno, and Daniel Smith. Thank you guys. We love you all. And Halamari.